One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. On this week's episodes, In the Red Corner, the board game that caused a thousand family arguments at Christmas is first up this week as Cluedo gets the big screen treatment. Except when the game was first released in America, it was called Clue, and also Reverend Green was changed to Mr. Green because in 1949, you couldn't have a man of the cloth being a criminal in the US. How times have changed. From 1985, it's Clue, starring Tim Curry. And that completes this week's obligatory Tim Curry reference. Every person in this room has the perfect motive. Stand back! For murder. What do you mean? Murder. But only one of these suspects is the murderer. You all had a motive. But where and when was Mr. Body killed? Don't you see? While in the blue corner, an all-star cast assemble as director Ryan Johnson leaves a galaxy far, far away with its own set of unexpected plot twists and rekindles his love affair with a whodunit. Daniel Craig's accent leads the investigation and things get pretty backstabby in 2019's box office smash, Knives Out. I'm Detective Lieutenant Elliot and this is Trooper Wagner. We just want to ask a few questions. We understand the night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. How was it? The party? Pre-my dad's death? Oh, it was great. So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. I hated her so much. It, it, the, 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 fla- the flames, flames on the side of my face. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. So, yes, welcome to this week's Mirthful Mystery Mealy. Clue versus Knives Out. My choices this week, sort of. <laughs> Not really, but kind of. I mean, they are. Are they, Chris? Are these my choices? 
Well, let's be fair. Let's be honest. It's something we discussed in the past. We 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 agreed we all like Knives Out, and when it hit Amazon Prime, we were going to do it on the show. So, kinda, mm. yeah. Okay, great. These are my choices then. Uh, so, uh, as always, you're welcome. Um, now, Chris, uh, what was the clue that I gave on last week's show? The clue you gave was uh, the identity of next week's films are a mystery that you'll need all your powers of deduction to solve. Okay. Um, Now, you followed that up with uh, another clue on Twitter, at ClashPod, didn't you? Yeah, and can you tell me, is there a fatal flaw in the clue I gave on Twitter, which maybe means I should never do that again. Do you mean Google reverse image search? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I've never done that. But apparently, yeah, right. I put two images up, an image from each film. Yeah. And then yeah. immediately someone said, oh, I'm, I'm very tempted to do... The, the old powers of the old internet came mm. back to get you. But you, you see, because I, I know we discussed this, Chris, and even if you ignore the reverse image thing on Google... When we discussed you putting up two stills from the film, I thought we discussed doing abstract stills from the film as opposed to sort of ones that are quite easy to work out. So like a scene from the film that might not look anything like the film. What did you do? You put the fucking candlestick from Clue up and the opening scene from Knives Out with the dogs. Now, I didn't want to start the show like coming back and being a little bit angry, but they were fucking obvious clues. Apart from everyone who thought it was Hound of the Baskervilles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one person thought it was Hound of the Baskervilles. I just, I just remember on this very show, not that long ago, you saying the best kind of clue is when one person gets the right answer. And this week, not one person got the wrong answer. <laughs> Apart so, from the people that congrats. said Hound of the Baskervilles. <laughs> All right, fine, yeah, like one person. That was this morning. I wrote that before I looked this morning. Right, Russell, Jimmy, Connor, uh, all got it correct. Congratulations, but full respect goes to the first right answer. Well done, Mr. Scott Butterfield. And in no way is your victory less of an achievement just because Chris's Cruise was stupidly easy. I, I, I will say uh, he, got it, he got it in 14 seconds. <laughs> That's how long it takes to do the search. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm gonna go I'm, go I'm on Scott's side I think he did it legitimately I don't believe he reverse image searched something on Google I've never done that have you ever done that yes oh what did you search I can't remember just someone's face just to see who they were you know like <laughs> like, like a what, detective like what they're up to now and like uh, who they uh, are married to <laughs> what shut up I never said that <laughs> oh I know who it was it was that person Chris no it was the person you saw on a beach in Broadstairs getting attacked by seagulls I think <laughs> that was it who... <laughs> I've forgotten his name yeah. already he's in Layer Cake and he was getting attacked by yeah. seagulls but he's very good looking so he did it with, with panache I would like to say <laughs> Yeah, the guy from the guy from this life who was also in layer cake. Yeah. You saw getting attacked by seagulls yes. on Broadstairs Beach. Yes, yeah. I did. Uh, right then, uh, shall we do the connections? Yeah. What have you got? I've got big houses, bad murders. Chris, yeah, both play out in houses I'd like to live in. Um, obviously, a character in uh, Knives Out does say that uh, one of the characters in Knives Out lives in a clue board. So that's a fair connection. Yep. yep. Guard dogs. Couple of guard dogs. That's yep. another one. Um, films with socio-political commentary shoehorned in. Mm. Any more? No. That's your lot. Yeah. So I've gone with uh, the connection is 
funny whodunits, or as I'm going to be calling them this week, who fun it? You could, you should have said fun done it. What are you like? <laughs> That's sitting in front of you. Fun done it. Who fun it is like way better. <laughs> who fun it? Yeah, actually, no? better. You know, you're right. You're right. You're right. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, was, I felt like I was part of a writer's room then. Uh, now, uh, Chris, you got Knives Out. Victoria, you got Clue. We do it chronologically. So uh, if you're ready. Oh, I, and I will say I'm recording remotely this week. So if it seem, if I seem like odd, that's because I'm uh, naked. So um, <laughs> <coughs> Victoria, uh, take us on a journey through Clue. Clue Dope takes everything you know and love from the popular board game and literally puts it in a movie. A cast of colour-coded characters, each under suspicion for murder? Check. An assortment of deadly weapons in a forbidding mansion? Check. Filling in your detective notes with pens from the bookies and whacking your sister very hard because she blatantly looked in the envelope when you went for a wee? Just my family. (laughs) Anyway, the game is afoot as Tim Curry runs around fueled entirely by exposition and solves the whodunit not once, but three times. Is it the timid Mr. Green? Why are you screaming? Because I'm frightened! What? Screaming! Or the militant Colonel Mustard? If I was the killer, I would kill you next. Huh? F. F. Mrs. White, who helped her husband on his way. What's the matter of life after death? Now that he's dead, I have a life. Ah! Miss Scarlet, who's helped many men along the way. Practice makes perfect. Professor Plum, who's looking for a way. I'm looking, I'm looking. Mrs. Peacock. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, but I am determined to enjoy myself. Or did the butler do it? No. 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 Paramount Pictures invites you to an evening of mystery. This is getting quite serious. And madness. In the movie that makes a scene of the crime. Clue. It's not just a game anymore. Right. Now, just a process question. Are we going to do the bit where I say I've never seen this film before? Or do you want to just skip over that? Well, I've seen it before. I think we do it, Chris. No, because you all hate that bit, so... <laughs> no, Alex, no! stop it. You go on, because this film means a lot to you. I, I will be honest and say it's the first time I've ever seen it. I'd heard a lot about it, but it was uh, a fresh eyes on this one for me. So, But you, why don't you tell me, share your memories of this film with us? Oh, OK, thanks. Um, so I stumbled upon it uh, on TV as a kid, and within about 10 minutes of watching it, I immediately fell in love with it, and especially... Tim Curry, and there is uh, another obligatory Tim Curry reference on this week's show. First time I'd ever seen him in anything was in Clue. So this is my definitive Tim Curry movie. Uh, I've never seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, uh, so I'm not. I'm aware of Frankenfurter, but this is my Tim Curry movie. And I just remember being absolutely giddy about this film as a kid when I realised it was based on Cluedo. And I think it's because films to me at that point were this sort of very far off, distant, fantastical thing that had no real relevance to my life in Leeds. And then I'm watching a movie based on a board game that was in the cupboard under the stairs. And I'm like, this is incredible. And the minute it got to the three endings in a row, mind blown. I'd never (laughs) seen anything like that before. And I was like, this is, what is this film doing? It's incredible. So yeah, I absolutely loved it. 
And I, I say that having seen Burt Reynolds at this point break the fourth wall in Smokey and the Bandit, and this was better. <laughs> high, high praise. Chris, any memories? Yeah, similar to Alex. I saw it when I was a kid, caught it on the telly, thought it was very funny. Uh, my first Tim Curry as well. Really? And my abiding memory of it is how much uh, the singing telegram scene made my brother laugh. It's about 30 <laughs> seconds. Well, not even, I was going to say 30 seconds long. It's not, it's about, isn't it about 15 seconds? Yeah. And he, he just He became it. hysterical. <laughs> we had to rewind it's and watch sh- that several times. You know who that is, don't you? What? I do. Uh, do you know, Alex? Go on, tell it's me. It's Joan of Arc from Bill and Ted. Same actor. Oh, from the Gold Girls or so whatever. Yeah, Jane Wheatland. Yeah. yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. They That's so funny that you're things to talk about. Your brother's favourite bit was um, was the singing telegram bit because aside from the endings, that's the bit that I I remember the most, and I don't know what it is about the moment she appears and goes, "I am your singing telegram." Bang! I was like. That's that's the most memorable part of that movie. And it's what is it? Like I think someone should write a fucking paper on exactly why that is such a brilliant moment. Um well, let's let's go into a little bit of background because so like I say I hadn't seen it, which I know is unbelievable and it is my sort of thing. Um so there's a really good article that I want to mention that I've lifted a lot of this from. Um, it's a BuzzFeed article by a writer called Adam B. Vary, which I would highly recommend if you're a fan of this film because there's loads of really funny quotes in it, particularly from Tim Curry. And the article's called Something Terrible Has Happened Here. So have a look at that if this is um, this floats your boat. But this film was written and directed by Jonathan Lynn, who at this point in um, 1983 was best known from um, Yes Minster and then Yes Prime Minister. The film came out in 1985, but it took a couple of years um, to get it going because, um, let's go back to John Landis, who is very central to this story. So the rights were acquired for him uh, to direct and he struggled and he was going to write it and he really struggled to come up with a story that um, had a satisfying big reveal and he said he'd set up a crime he couldn't solve. So he thought, well, I know what I'll do. I'll get a real writer, which is a good idea. Um, Tom Stoppard um, unbelievably had a go and just couldn't make it work. And then Peter Goober approaches Jonathan Lynn and heard John Landis's pitch. Can I just say, I, I like the, the Tom uh, Stoppard uh, quote about this because he spent he apparently spent a year working on it and then sent the cheque back uh, to John Landis saying I give up. They BuzzFeed asked uh, Tom Stoppard about this. He said I can't remember Clue. I don't think I worked on it. I've never heard of Clue. Sorry to not be able to help. <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? It's unbelievable. Um, so after hearing John Landis's very enthusiastic pitch, because he's a, like a huge fan of the idea of turning Cluedo into a film. The, um, there's a quote from Jonathan Lynn in this article, which is one of my favourite... I just think it's the funniest thing I've ever heard, where Jonathan Lynn comes away from the meeting and he's interested in writing the script, but he had his reservations and he said there were a lot of characters who weren't characters. They were just colours. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's hilarious. Um, but anyway, he had a go and he cracked it. And he was the person who was able to um, service like John Landis's mandate about four separate endings. So there's a fourth one, a apparently out there somewhere, but people deny all knowledge of it. So the, the the film that we know and love has got three separate endings. Um, but obviously it must have been an absolute nightmare because you have to have each ending make sense within the one film that everybody's seen. Um, but so then in the time it took Jonathan Lynn to come up with this, John Landis had moved on to direct something else. And so that's how Jonathan Lynn ends up directing. Um, just to talk about cast. Now, 
this is Tim Curry's film, obviously, um, as the butler Wadsworth. But one story I just wanted to rattle off again from this brilliant BuzzFeed article was about Miss Scarlet and Jonathan Lynn uh, nearly had Carrie Fisher to play Miss Scarlet, which would have been brilliant. Um, but apparently a week before rehearsals were due to start, um, Jonathan Lynn found out that Carrie Fisher was in rehab and he says, I was very naive. I didn't know what she was talking about. When I met her at a restaurant, she had actually fallen over a chair, but I just thought she was short-sighted or something. She sniffed a lot. She said she had hair fever, which of course I believed, which is <laughs> so sweet and very funny. And, and then didn't he went to Deborah Hill, the producer, and um, asked her if it was possible for Carrie Fisher to be in the film while being in rehab. And Deborah Hill said, yeah, I think that's possible. And then he says, in hindsight, I think Deborah Hill was on cocaine as well. <laughs> <laughs> have you read her? She's that uh, Carrie Fisher book, Postcards from the Edge. I have not, no. It's really good. I've seen good. the film, but I haven't read the book. Really good. Yeah. I'll bring it in for you. Um, uh, go on. Other casting as well of, uh, of Wadsworth. Um, it took a while for it to get to Tim Curry, even though it's hard to imagine it anyone else playing that role but Leonard Rossiter was who it was written for uh, but he died he did um, Rowan Atkinson was wanted but the American said he wasn't famous enough and I believe and actually when I was when I was watching it, I was thinking the only other person I could see doing this and putting it off would be John Cleese yeah uh, but Tim Curry ultimately got it because he was well known in America um, because of Rocky Horror yeah and yeah they thought he could pull off the charm the voice the you know reeling off the dialogue at such speed <laughs> Which I think it's fair to say he does. He does. Uh, without him doing that, I don't really know where we'd be. But um, maybe we'll get on to that. So that's as much as I've got. Um, oh, I... do you know? Do you want to mention? I know you sort of touched on it, but like I, I didn't. I didn't know that until I read the same BuzzFeed article as you, which I agree is. I mean, you you think BuzzFeed and you go All right, so it's like what ten bullet points about Clue, and it's not. It's a really long, in depth essay on BuzzFeed, so it is worth reading. But it's. Um, it's the bit about how when they marketed it, John Landis had this idea, which Jonathan Lynn goes, I don't like that idea very much, of putting what... Because the versions we've seen, it's all three endings on the same film. Mm. So the when they sent it to all the theatres, they put one ending on each of the versions. So a third of, each, a third of the cinemas in each city it was playing in would have one of the endings. It was an A, B, and C ending. And so John Landis thought that people had loved the film so much and go and see every single ending. So they'd watch the movie three times to get each separate ending. Uh, and that didn't work. People just weren't sure which ending they wanted to go see or they were supposed to go see or which was best. So they didn't go and watch the film. No. I, I was going to mention it, but, you know, I've got... Um an area of like nervousness around talking about too much about endings at this section of the podcast. Quite right. Because I've Where's been in trouble from? before. So I would kind of parked that till the end of, Excellent. Uh, of the bit. Um, but it's oh, okay because you've sense, done it. So yeah. that's okay. Um, I, it just sort of am leaves I, me not really sure for the future. Am I in trouble? Am I in trouble now though? I'm looking at Chris. Am I? Yeah, he looks really Could mad. I'm not, no, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> you've let the whole school down actually, Alex. So, right. Should we talk um, about the film? I love the... the the, I love the other fact of him asking. Uh, he he uh, Landis approached uh, Stephen Sondheim and Anthony Perkins to write it. Norman Bates from Psycho and uh, and they like they were going to write it, and then they asked for a shit ton of money. And the studio Paramount went, "Who do these people think they are?" And John Landis replied, "It's Stephen fucking Sondheim. <laughs> he wrote Gypsy." <laughs> So yeah, um, any more in this section? Shall we move on? 
Let's do it. So I just want do to... Do it. I want to prefix this by saying that I love, 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 love a high-end BBC Agatha Christie adaptation. So I'm going into this with quite high expectations. So all of the Sarah Phelps adaptations... Um, Ordeal by Innocence stuck out re- recently with Bill Nye. That's amazing. Um, and then there were none with Aidan Turner and The Pale Horse. I love all of that. So if I sound a bit down on Clue, though, later, just remember that I am coming to this from a place of respect and I really wanted to love it. Okay. So here we are. <laughs> but remember, but remember, before, before, just, just to sow this seed, before we get into me going, why are you saying these horrible things? Uh, I, I, you shouldn't look at it. I mean, I think the clue was where John Landis basically wrote a whodunit, but couldn't write the whodunit part. Yeah. Like, that's, like, so I think once you sort of go, hey, it's not really a whodunit, though, is it? It's a who fun it because it's um yeah i'm really pushing that this week because it's meant to just be a screwball comedy like a farce it's not meant to you're not really that interested in finding out who the murderer was yeah i think and that's probably yeah and that's i should have i should have been more aware of that because i want I, re- I want to be invested in the characters and i i don't do care who's done it when i watch things like this and maybe i wanted more of a drama and less of a farce which i know it's not supposed to be so maybe that's where my like expectation didn't meet with what was in front of me that it is difficult to care about these characters although actually let's let's just get into this because the way that the characters are set up to have have their pseudonyms Colonel Mustard, Mrs. White, Mrs. Peacock, Mr. Green, Professor Plum, and Miss Scarlet. I think it's a clever way of doing it, which is was to tap into the McCarthyism um, and the communist witch hunts that were happening in the 50s. It's clever because you do need a reason as to why all these people are not using their real names, and that's as good a reason as any. And the fact that all the characters are from Washington, DC, and they're all being blackmailed. But we quite quickly get into the the brilliant Tim Curry running around telling you what everybody's story is. Whereas what I want is to see what everyone's story is or, or even just to hear it from them. But what you've got is Tim Curry doing it for them. And do you feel on this viewing, having watched it now as a, a, a grown up, did you find that satisfying or did, did you not feel a bit like, ugh? Uh, yeah. I I could feel okay. So this was quite a difficult moment for me because I do love this film, uh, and I well, or rather, I did as a kid. I haven't seen it since I was probably about ten years old, and I did love it. But I let the nostalgia valve in my brain uh, open fully and overwhelm any critical thought about the fact that the middle of this film is pretty dull uh, and ignored that. And so I am, I'm blind to what you're saying. Yeah. I am, I am, I'm, I'm fully basking in the glow of Clue as opposed to accepting that perhaps it's a little dull at times. Well, I think, um, Wadsworth gets off on the wrong foot by stepping in some dog shit. Oh, yeah. And I think the film does as well, because that joke isn't funny when he does it, Mm. isn't funny when the first person smells it, and isn't funny when the fifth person smells it. And I didn't find that funny when I was a kid, and I don't find it now. And I think the film has to do, certainly as a grown-up watching, it had to do quite a lot of work to get me back with such a shit joke (laughs) being repeated over and over again in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, because they should, the the writing is so like rat-a-tat, quick, good. Yeah, I mean, the the fact is Jonathan Lynn um, told all the cast to watch the Howard Hawks film, His Girl Friday. 
uh, in advance of, of shooting the film so that they could pick up the speed of dialogue delivery that he wanted. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's definitely a film that rewards repeat viewings because the jokes are so dense. They yeah. come so thick and fast. But I just wish they didn't start off with such a shit one. <laughs> such a shit visual joke. Like, we, when we're at the dinner party and we're going to... It's Mrs. Peacock that kind of breaks the um, the etiquette, which is established, like, let's not say who we really are, let's not say what we really do. And she... It's very funny that she just sort of blurts out what she... You know, why she thinks she's there. And the back and forth between her and Miss Scarlet And Mrs. Y is incredible in this. Like, she's extremely funny from the minute she turns up. Yeah, and I agree with you. It's just a shame that... I wasn't able to fully enjoy that because I was still reeling from this repeated dog shit joke. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think some I think sometimes the dialogue needed to be even faster though. I think that's when it works best is when it is so rat a tat tat. And there are times when certain members of the cast aren't doing that; they slow it down. And I think it really needs all to be yeah. at like a hundred miles an hour because that's how it works best. But I I the thing. To talk about Madeline Kahn and like Mrs. Uh, Mrs. White, I I really I, like the fact that the <laughs> quote I did about flames on the side of my face—that is the funniest line. And like that is a proper laugh out loud moment in this mm. film. And she improvised that. And Jonathan Lynn had to be convinced by the other cast and that like, Tim Curry going that was fucking hilarious. You need to put that in because he didn't want anyone to improvise and i find that astonishing that like i know obviously he's written this script and he's a comedy writer and so he, he's like this is my script do my script but when you've got talent like that in the room and you're going don't change a mm. uh, fucking syllable of this i'm like mr Ch- mr trick there because as evidenced by madeline khan her improv line being the funniest moment. Yeah, and I suppose it's the the comparator is the joke about the missing guest is someone called Mr. Body, and it's like, that's kind of funny, but it's also quite childish. So I get it. I get why it's here, because in Cluedo, you need a body. But then the sort of the sophistication of her line later, which the improv about the flames on the side of her face, there's a there's a uh, yeah a, a disjoint there, <laughs> disjoint, disjoint. There's a, a not quite joint there. Oh wait, are we not are we not even allowed to say disjoint <laughs> anymore, Vicky? Is it misjoint now? I just suddenly blanked that disjoint might not be a word. I wasn't gendering it in any way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you were. It's Chris. It, <laughs> it's misjoint. Uh, Madeline Kahn said that when she put on the Mrs. White costume, she felt like Judy Garland. Yeah. And she said that she became possessed by Judy Garland, she believes, and so that's why Mrs. White acts like Judy Garland for most of the film. Okay. It's a bit odd. She sounds (laughs) high maintenance. (laughs) Um, So when we've got Mr. Body, he arrives, and we move through to the drawing room or the parlour for Brandy, which I fully approve of, and for Tim Curry to do a bit more explanation of what's going on. And Mr. Body then hands out the Cluedo pieces, so the candlestick, the the metal rod and and the gun. So that's when I realised we are literally watching the game play out rather than weaving the component parts of the game into the action in a way that makes you like feel that sort of glimmer of recognition. Like I just I got obsessed with like if this was a BBC One Christmas time adaptation, there would be such a smart way of introducing the gun, the candlestick, not just it's given to you in a box. Yeah. No. 
no, it's I, I literally I got giddy at that point. I did a little fist bump, like it was like it was like all the, my, your old favourites are cameoing in the movie. I was like, oh my god, it's the candlestick. The candlestick! The candlestick's on screen! No way, look, it's the lead pipe! I've seen that lead pipe in person in my house and now it's I'm in a movie! Confused. I used to play Cluedo all the time. But you know when Mr. Body is on the floor, the lights go out, Mr. Body is dead, or he seems to be dead, and it'll come back later that he's not quite dead. And it, there's not a mark on him. And I was like, this isn't right, because in Cluedo, were you not allowed to ask questions? Like, has he got a head wound? I was like, no, I don't think you were, because it would all be over with pretty quickly. But that took me five minutes to remember that. What game is it where you could ask questions? Don't know, 20 questions? Wait, I haven't played Cluedo. I haven't played Cluedo in years. Do you know? How I'd love does, to. I, I, I'm going to have to. We should play Cluedo. We should play Cluedo after it's this. It's random. I can't remember so how it works. You randomly select cards, which select the room, the weapon, and the person, and you put them in an envelope that's in the middle, and then right. Yeah, but how do you? I, so how do you work out? I still don't understand how you work out how you work out the, who that is because obviously you eliminate house, yourself because you're one of the other around. characters and just talk us all through it. I feel like this is a conversation we can have <laughs> off mic, Alex, teaching you the rules of Cluedo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, here's a here's a more interesting question. Maybe do you know why it's called Clue in America? Because uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna riff. I'm just gonna go yep. for it. Uh, Play-Doh. Uh, so they thought it might no. sound too some Ludo. Ludo, Ludo, is it Ludo? Because it was a combination of uh, Ludo and uh, because that was another game made by Waddington's and I think it comes from Latin. I think it's a Latin word, but uh, in America, Ludo was never released. So the Americans had no understanding of what Cluedo would mean because of the Ludo bit. Yeah, Ludo in America is called Parcheesi. I've always wondered what Me too, and I found is. out this week. That's so brilliant. <laughs> That's so brilliant. Why? <laughs> well, then it should have been called in America Cluecheesy, which would have been much better. Um, so we've got a body yeah. um, and the character... We've got a body body. We've got a body body, which is pretty funny. And the characters sus- suspect each other. And they, again, I had a bit of a... I, I couldn't quite get on board with this. The, we know, because we've played Cluedo, that one of them did it, because that's the rules of Cluedo. But they suspect each other and they want to make sure that there's no one else in the house because obviously no one's going to own up to that. So it it sort of weaves itself over into like, oh, maybe somebody else did it. So the characters split into pairs. Now, as Cluedo fans, Cluedo players, we know that there definitely isn't anyone else in the house. And although that I think they did make quite a lot of emphasis on the film, I think they could have gone a bit deeper with the story engine at this point should be in your pair, you're possibly alone with the murderer. And apart from Yvette, the Bucks and French maid, and Mr. Green, who won't cross each other on the stairs or like go in front of each other so that they haven't got their backs to each other, like at one point, Mrs. White and Wadsworth, they split up. So there isn't enough being made of the tension that we are feeling as the audience, which is we know one of you did it because this is literally a game of Cluedo. So what's the point in seeing the characters not uh, like reflect that back at us like 10 times like more intensely? Do you know what I mean? Mm. I know exactly what you mean. I think the problem that I have, well, the difference mm. that I have with you is the fact that I didn't care. Like at no point am I sort of worried about like uh, who might have done it because I wasn't viewing it as a who done it. I was like, what funny skit yeah. is the next three minutes going yeah, to involve? Yeah, that's fair enough. And, and yeah, that was I it. Just... But as you said, Alex, this this is this is I'm, where the film has a bit of a lull I'm, as yeah. well. 
yeah. you've got about you know twenty minutes in the middle where it, you just I just kind of lost I lost interest because and it made me lose, lose track of the plot because nothing was really happening. They're just ticking off. Agreed. Okay, I I, I agree. I, it needed to do one thing better. It either needed to be more tense and like actually have you worrying about who was the murderer or trying to work it out like a who done yeah. it, or like more it sketches needed to be funnier. maybe. Um... Because it is funny. It's, it's really entertaining. It's really easy to watch. It's really good fun to see the a, a, like a cast that clearly, or seems to very clearly, get on really well and have fun like messing around, do that. Um, but I just, I do love a murder mystery, so I want a murder mystery, always. Um, then we sort of rack up the, the corpses pretty quickly. So we've got um, a stranger that comes in to use the phone, a police officer, the woman who plays John of Arkin, Bill and Ted. The cook. The cook, yeah. Yep. So we're sort of like, it's a massacre all of a sudden from one body who wasn't a body to several bodies. And then we get Tim Curry running around, reenacting everything we've already seen to do the sort of Hercule Poirot big reveal. I know who did this. So two things. I don't mind Tim Curry running around doing all of that. That's great. I do mind him telling me stuff I've already seen because I've already seen it. So I don't need him to be telling me what I've already seen. Poirot doesn't, he doesn't waste my time like that. You can recap it so that we all know uh, where we're up to. Um, but yeah, it just, and then we get to the first of three reveals as to who's done it. And with um, Tim Curry running around and doing those explanations um, over and over again, um, it, Michael McKean apparently before each take had to get everyone together and say, remember, something terrible has happened here because <laughs> because they couldn't stop laughing and the tone was so light that they had to remember. No, we're surrounded by dead bodies. That's brilliant. And also to get on to the, the three endings. The, so the endings I saw, Miss Scarlet did it, then it was Mrs. Peacock or then it was a little bit of everyone. Yep. And the little bit of everyone is so clearly the best ending. So, yeah, but is it a cliche? Because all <laughs> so many of the great whodunits, the ending is everyone did it. Yeah, and I also <laughs> I don't think I care. Yeah, I know what you mean. I just like it because it just makes it feel like such a satisfying payoff. Because these characters you've come to love all have a hand in this thing mm. that you've been obsessed with. Um, unless it Bill Nye did it, which he tends to have done, in which case I don't mind that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just I I thought that was a really good ending, and I can understand why John Landis thought it was a really great idea. But at the same time, I think the script suffered because it had to shoehorn in three endings. And by suffered, I don't necessarily mean the story, but I mean the only way to wrap it all up is to have Tim Curry running around telling you what's happened because it would be more or less impossible or such a job of work to write three or four distinct stories that you could show paying off in that way. Mm. So you just have a man running around saying, this is why you did it. And this is because, but not, you know, and how you did it. Also, one of the major conceits is a character slipped out of the room at some point, which is off camera. So that gives Tim Curry a bit of leeway to say, Mrs. Peacock, you slipped out. No. What? Well, yeah, it is. But I I went back because the bit where he's going and when he's, he was like, he's like, who wasn't in the room at this point? And I remember watching that going, they're all there. They're definitely all there. And then I rewound it, (laughs) rewound it. I scrolled back and watched the bit and Mrs. Peacock is actually missing in that scene. Like she isn't there. Isn't that the scene where she asked to? She asked if there's a little girls' room in the hall, and Yvette says "wee oui, wee," oui, and she says "no, I need to powder my nose." 
which Man. is one of my favourite jokes Are in the film. Are you being serious? Oh, yeah, yeah, come yeah. on, to an eight-year-old, which is the first time I saw this, a wee-wee-wee-wee joke yeah. is the piece, I piece de resistance. with the children yesterday, I watched an episode <laughs> of Scooby-Doo, and that exact joke, obviously, it's quite an obvious joke, was in it for about 25 minutes. Absolute I was like, that's classic. the level at which... <laughs> but fine, obviously. But I agree with you. Alex is saying that he doesn't need the whodunit plot. He needs to, to, to be that good. He needs the jokes. For me, I want both. If you're making a clue film, it's an opportunity to do a clever whodunit with a shit ton of jokes on the top of it. Yeah. And the issue uh, that I felt was, was having those three endings meant the plot is so malleable and it can be applied to almost any character that it takes the who out of the whodunit a little yeah. bit. Um, it's also vague um, and it means you can't get excited about the whodunit aspect of it when what they've written could apply to anyone. Yeah. And I think that removes some tension and suspense, which some of the best comedy whodunits manage to achieve both. Yeah. And, or is it as simple as that if it just had more of a dramatic element? So characters talking about themselves and why these things are important to them rather than someone saying, and this is why you did this and this is why it's important. If you've got someone saying, I don't want to lose everything or I do, I don't mind if I lose everything and um, whatever, like, would it just have a little bit more impact? Even if it was Tim Curry that exposed the murderer at the end, you don't, I don't feel like you get to hear from the characters about what's, you know, what's happening in their lives and yeah, yeah, why they're being blackmailed and things like that. Um, so we've got the communism is a red herring uh, repetition at the end, which I do think is very funny. Good joke. A, a really good joke. And quite, I mean, it feels quite bold, to be honest, like to sort of call it out for what it was <laughs> um, in a film that's ostensibly a comedy adaptation of a board game. Um, I don't see why not. But yeah, I think in 1958, that would have been difficult for them to get sure. over. 1985, not, <laughs> not so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and Mr. Green, for me, gets the, gets the biggest payoff in the third ending. So, I've, uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask, like, how this landed with you when you were kids and, like, what you thought. So his secret is or was in the initial setup that he's gay and he's very clear that he feels no shame about that, but it puts his job at risk. He works in, within the government in some mm. capacity. And obviously it's set in the 50s, so a different time. Um, and then the reveal is... is and so... Um, the reveal is at the end that he's an FBI plant. And then he gets, he's the person that sort of gets the big payoff and says, I'm going to go home now and sleep with my wife. And it's like, ha ha. And I thought, oh, like, is the, I don't know. I felt a bit disappointed. Like, I thought, oh, you're an FBI plant. And so your secret story isn't true. But then wouldn't it have been a, like to reverse the expectation of the joke? They'd say, I'm just going to go home and sleep with my husband. Cool. Because if you're saying there's no shame, then why not go that far and have that as the joke? But he couldn't say that in front of his fellow officers oh, in yeah, 1954, otherwise he'd have lost his job and he seemed to be quite proud of being an FBI agent. I don't like that ending. On the subject of the endings, first of all, I'd, I I think it would have been awful to have gone to the cinema and ended up with ending number one, the Miss Scala ending, and that being it. You're like, oh... That's rubbish. It only works putting all three endings back to back because it's hysterical. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. And I loved it as a kid and I still love it. I I think it's great. But I hate that final ending because Tim Curry is so likable as Wadsworth. I hate as a kid, I hated it and I didn't enjoy it much this time when he gets killed at the end. I'm like, you can't kill the most likable character in it and have him as the villain in the end. And that be the ultimate ending i remember as a kid watching him get shot and i was like <laughs> that please let there be another ending now there has to be the the, the the writing needs to come back up and go only joking this is how it really ended 
and I would have liked that. I would have liked the fourth ending where he escapes and he gets out of the house. Mm. It is Tim Curry who's done it in the fourth ending, and he kills everyone. I think he poisons them, and then the police try and get him, but he locks them in the house, and he gets in a car, and he's about to drive off, and then there's two big police Dobermans in the back seat, and then it ends. I'd have been happy with that. I'm a little unclear as to why Jonathan Lynn is so like weird about the fourth ending because by all accounts in that article that we read like when the interviewer asked him he went so there's a bit of a bit of gossip online saying this could be the fourth ending and he even writes his genial nature disappears and he says no not a thing no idea what you're talking about i don't know what's reported online i have no idea what the fourth ending is it's gone from my memory and it's like okay cool nice one like Wow. I think it's probably just clever marketing. So John Landis, take note, like just to keep a bit of intrigue going. No, like that's the the best way to create, a, you know, just to create a bit of ongoing interest is like to put a bit of a, um, a mystique around this secret fourth ending. No. I ag- I agree if it didn't like it didn't sound like Jonathan Lynn is sort of like a bit like meh. You know, that was then, this is now. I don't think he sort of goes, ah, it's fantastic. It's a bit like when we talked about John Carpenter being like, where were people when it was released in the cinema for the thing? I love the fact that it's found an audience now, but it kind of changed the course of my career that no one went to see the thing. And the same thing happened for Jonathan Lynn. Like, he was down to direct Roxanne, the Steve Martin movie, and then Clue flopped, and they went, see ya, and got someone else in. And he only came back, like, I think it was mm. five, six years later when he did Nuns My Cousin Vinny after um, Nuns on the Run. Nuns on the Run. What a way to come Nuns back. Nuns on the Run. Um, I, I, just like think I just think John Landis didn't bank on... Yeah. Oh, that's a pun. Um, didn't reckon on people's cheapness. Like, if you're going to go to the cinema and you've seen the film already, the slightest risk, certainly within my family, that you would see the same film again, no, thank you. Like, it's not free. Do you know what I mean? I just don't think people would do it. Um, it was not worth the gamble. And when you build, when you build in the cost of popcorn for yes. that, and like, yeah, right, no, I hear you, Victoria, or yeah, the bus, yeah, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I think the combination of of the confusion over what ending am I seeing? Well, is there a better ending to see? Combined with the fact you're watching a film based on a board game, <laughs> which was is weird now. But it's even weirder then. Is it weird now, though? I don't... I, I mean, when, when Battleship came out, and I covered that quite quite a lot, Quite, um, I spoke to the director about three times about that. It was a very weird thing that they were making a film based on a board game. They got a lot of criticism for that. Yeah. And even the way they put it together, like, they just said to writers, pitch us films with... Bat-. They didn't have any idea what they wanted to do. Yeah. Just pitch us films with Battleships in, and they picked the one they liked the best. So it just seemed, it just seemed like so arbitrary to, to just use that title. Yeah. Um, Sorry, my, my, my headphones just cut out then. Are we talking about how great Battleship is? Because that movie is <laughs> sick. They basically just took the name and did whatever they wanted with it. It's killer. What a great system. <laughs> but, but you could say that maybe Clue was 30 years ahead of its time, really. You look at, I think Netflix would be all over a film like this with three alternate endings that you could flick between when you're watching yeah. it. Well, but oh, did you watch the Charlie what, like the Bandersnatch? Yeah, yeah, Bandersnatch. I was, I really love that. I watched that about four times. I loved it, and I loved yeah. the red herring books when I was little, and I loved computer games like that when I was younger. I found Bandersnatch frustrating because I really every it was so um, it was such a good drama, 
but I kept getting stuck in a loop and it made me feel stupid and it's like I haven't got time <laughs> I was like I haven't got time for this like I can be made to feel stupid yeah. loads mm. of other places Weirdly, the one, even though I love the endings of Clue, the Bandersnatch ending I didn't like is when it, it turned out that they knew they were being watched by people on Netflix picking their story. And yeah. I was like, oh, I felt really self-conscious, like, oh, God, I should have I should have dressed up if I knew they were going to be watching me. Put some fucking clothes on. And obviously people in Hollywood think there's some juice in this because three years ago, Fox asked Ryan Reynolds to, to do a movie version of Clue. Right. That's still uh, happening. He he. Um, I'm not sure it will, Alex, because he got he got Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick involved, who wrote Deadpool. Mm. Yeah, but this yeah. this was part of a three year first look deal he had with Fox, and it was two and a half years yeah. ago, and that was Fox pre Disney. Mm-hmm. It's different. yeah, it's... but you, well, you say that you say that, but as late uh, I think it was November last year, Jason Bateman was down to direct it, and then he jumped ship. And the last story about it was only in February this year where they were saying James Bobin, who is a Disney uh, favourite, isn't he, from the Muppets movies. I think they're, the Muppets movies, are they Disney? Anyway, yeah. James Bobin in February has been declared the, the new director um, on board. So I, I think it's still happening, you know. You think different, Chris? No, no, I guess, yeah, no. Maybe we'll, we'll do it on, in a future podcast. Oh, you two are really angry at each other. How weird. How strange to fall out about something, neither of which you have any control over. No, we just want us to get on with it. Oh, right. (laughs) We're on the clock today. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, So, yeah, it didn't do very well, the film. Uh, Nice quote here from Jonathan Lynn from that same article, which is, um, I go to teach at film schools and there's always someone in the class who says, it's my favourite movie. And I think, well, haven't you seen The Godfather or Lawrence of Arabia? He just says he's such a nice man. I just love that sense of humour. I think that's... um... There's a documentary coming out very soon about the making of Clue and they put a bunch of clips up on YouTube and the, all the interviews with Jonathan Lynn he comes across so lovely yeah um, so that's all I've got so uh, unless there's anything more shall we do the bits do it uh, the, the guy the driver I know I know we're on the clock but I'm not going to let this go without mentioning the fact that the motorist who comes to the door who they then kill yeah uh, is Jeffrey Kramer who is obviously uh, Hendrix Deputy Hendrix in Jaws I like that there you go it's uh, Brody's deputy in Jaws. Jaws. So, wow, right, Chris, right. <laughs> can we turn him down? Anyway, Chris, what was your best scene? Uh, I liked Tim Curry performing the whole film in 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, that amount of dialogue, the speed of delivery, it's exhausting to watch him. And he actually had to go to hospital um, when he was shooting it and have pills uh, for his blood pressure because it was so stressful. A likely story. Shooting those scenes. <laughs> Yeah, he was, he was very sick. <laughs> what about you, Alex? Flames, flames, oh, flames. No. The, it is the best. The it's not. It of is. my face. It's fucking hilarious. Yep. Madeline, Madeline Kahn's one improv in the whole movie. And again, why bring Madeline Kahn on board and then go, don't improv, though? It's the most ridiculous thing. And her improv moment uh, is, like, the best. The best. I the mean, flames. I did have Tim Curry running around, but... Yeah, I, the only reason I didn't want to pick that moment is because it wasn't in all the versions. And so I know that some people didn't even see it at the time, but it is better. So, yeah, I'm going to pick that bit as well. Um, most valuable whatever, please, Alex. Do you really need to ask that question? <laughs> same, same. <laughs> cool. Um, I've picked Jonathan Lynn because I think it must have been. What? Enough- <laughs> I have to. This, this needs to be a three for three on Tim Curry. Doesn't he sound funny when he's like angry but far away? <laughs> no, 
know. And it, the, 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 it's making me angrier being far away and angry. Yeah, because you can't because you can't get at me. Like, what <laughs> All right, fine, Tim Curry, but also Jonathan Lynn. Well done. Must have been a nightmare to write that ending. Um, Chris, one change, please. We didn't really talk about it properly, but there does seem to be uh, homophobia running through this movie. Uh, there's objectification of quite a few women, not just sure. one of them. Um, so maybe, I don't know, pull back on some of that stuff. Call it bloody Cluedo. <laughs> um, but really, I think that uh, what I'd like to change is I'd like to go back in time and have it released with all three endings because I think it would have been had a much better reception. It works so well with three endings at the end. It's such a fun way to conclude the movie. And um, yeah, I, I think... I think we'll, you know, it would have made a bit of money if they had done that in the first place. That's exactly my change. Just, yep. Um, let's not have those multiple endings that you can only go and see one of at a time. I just don't think it worked. Uh, what about you, Alex? Oh, I feel kind of bad now because I'm singling someone out, but I'd, I'd change um, leaving as Mr. Body. Yeah. I don't think, I don't, I don't think he's very good. Um I know that uh, Jonathan Lynn said the only thing he compromised on in terms of casting was giving the role of Mr. Body to Lee Ving, who was the front man for the punk band Fear. Uh, he says the studio wanted him. And I don't mind him as Mr. Body. It's at the end where the final ending and Wadsworth goes, who was he? He was my butler. I'm like, no, he's, no butler yeah. looks like that. There is, <laughs> and you, no, there's absolutely no way that man gets employed as a high-class butler looking like that. So I agree. that doesn't work. Yeah, because we're not supposed to argue with the changes. And I was going to disagree with you there because I think he brings a sinister energy as Mr. Body that's quite changes the film a little bit. But you're absolutely right. I 1,000% agree, Alex, that when they say that he is Tim Curry's butler, there's no <laughs> bloody way, is there? There's no way. <laughs> you imagine that? Uh, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna call the butler into the dining room. Ah, who the fuck is that? Oh, sorry, it's, it's my butler. Right? Yeah, I, for, I forgot. I, I, I don't. Are you gonna hurt me? I just wanted some soup. So that's all I've got. Yeah, that's it. We're done. Excellent. Great. Well, uh, I enjoyed that. Um, Chris, I, I'm interested in the idea of a quiz right now. Yeah, let's do a mystery quiz. And I was, that, I was, I was concerned earlier because I'm worried this could take some time. But let's try and go through it quickly. Do you want to do it after the break? And, and then we'll do it? Sure. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Nicole Goodman. And I'm Lauren Mishcon. In 2020, self-care can seem like yet another overwhelming job for women. Every week, we test out a new kind of self-care so you don't have to. Firstly, can we just clarify how we pronounce it? Kombucha? Kombucha. Yeah. Kombucha. Kombucha. Self-care club. Wellness road tested. So that was the first day. You know, it was just the not slipping into the complete default mode of what I normally do, which is have a go at my husband for what he hasn't done. And, you know, all of that stuff, I kind of stopped. Okay, so it was more the absence of meanness rather than the projection (laughs) of kindness at this (laughs) initial point. Yes. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your pods. This week, we are testing out menstrual cups. How are you feeling? Dreading it. I know that you love to give a practice that's all about down below. I'm not interested. I've never even really thought about it since before I met you. You've never thought about your vagina until you met me. It doesn't get a lot of air. It doesn't get a lot of air time. No, it doesn't. The Self Care Club is a Stakhanov production. Are we going to put a break in there? I've got another. I've got another fifty minutes in me, so I've just hit the halfway point. <laughs> just hit the halfway point. Our, our midway break. Uh, thank you to those advertisers who uh, asked for the midsection of the show to promote their products. Uh, now here's part two of the Clue Show. This better be a long quiz. Okay, I'm giving you a series of mysteries, and I want you to tell me the solution. Cool. We'll start off with mystery one. Alex and Vicky went to Hawaii for their honeymoon. Unfortunately, Vicky returned alone because Alex had died in a horrible boating accident. The police contacted Uh, the travel agent she booked the trip with and arrested Vicky for Alex's murder. How did they know she did it? (laughs) Because I would never get on a boat because boats go on the sea, so Vicky must have drugged me. Nope. Um... I just, uh, it just came back wearing all of his clothes and turned up for work at Sky and said, this is a lucky turn of events. (laughs) Can't believe this has turned out like this. Anyway, carry on. The police contacted the travel agent. Is it because, wait, is it because Vicky couldn't keep her fucking mouth shut about it and was like, you'll never guess what I did on holiday. (laughs) I mean, that is a better answer. That's a more realistic one. No, the, the key here is the police contacted the travel agent she booked the trip with and then arrested her. And I was the travel agent. I don't know. <laughs> no, Vicky Why, had... How did, the, how did the travel agents know? Are you about to tell us? Uh, well, the answer is... Oh, the... oh, oh, she only booked one ticket back. Yes, correct. Oh, very good. Well done. That's one to Alex. Oh, that's brilliant. Well done. <laughs> 
Clever. Okay, uh, Vicky is condemned to death for Alex's murder and has to choose between three rooms. The first room is full of raging fires. The second room is filled with assassins with loaded guns. The third room is filled with lions who haven't eaten in years. Which room is safest? The lion's room, but they haven't eaten in years because they're dead. Correct. Yes! Oh! Coming to BBC One this Christmas, (laughs) written by Vicky Crompton. Alex murders Vicky with a knife yes! in a car. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. No, nobody's around to see this. He throws her out of the car, being careful not to leave any fingerprints on her body. Next, he throws the knife off a cliff into a gorge where it will never be found. Then he goes home to listen to Clash of the Titles. <laughs> An hour later, the police call him and tell him that Vicky has been murdered and he needs to come to the scene of the crime immediately. As soon as Alex arrives, he is arrested for murder. How did they know? Because I knew where I knew where the scene of the crime was. Alex got it first. Correct. Also, the scene is what he murders me. Then he goes home and listens to my voice on a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, but maybe I regretted it. That's why Mm. I was like, "What have I done? What have I done?" It was a stormy night, and Alex and Vicky were in a car passing through a foreign city. The car broke down, and Alex had to go and get help. Worried about Vicky, he locked her in the car with all the windows pulled up. When he came back, the windows were still up and the car was still locked. But Vicky was dead. There was blood on the floor and there was someone else in the car. What has happened? Um, um, there was someone else in the car all along that I didn't check the back seat? Nope. He, when he locked me in the car, he put me in a different car with a murderer. Nope. It's so unlikely um, that he would go and ask for help in a foreign country um, and yeah. risk speaking a different language and making a tit of himself. So I, I don't know about that, this. That is a really big fear of mine. Of course um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to look stupid, but I also don't want to be that sort of English person abroad going, hello, hello, <laughs> chips, chips. <laughs> I don't know the answer. So when he came back, Vicky was still in the car. It was still locked. The windows were still up. Oh, the- I did it myself. I killed myself. But oh. there was someone well, else the in person? the car. Oh, what? I've lost the thread of this. Oh, she had a baby. She had a baby and, and she died in childbirth. That's correct. Oh, my God. Yeah! What is wrong with you? <laughs> Vicky has died in childbirth. Yeah. <laughs> you see my face. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's tickled you. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Just happy I got it. I'm just happy I yeah, got well it. Done, Alex. Well done, Alex. Lads, lads, lads. Right. <laughs> final mystery. Final final mystery. Uh, oh, my God. Detective Crompton was called to the scene of an apparent suicide. When she arrives, she finds a man called Alex deceased from a gunshot wound. He holds a gun in one hand and a cassette player in the other. Detective Crompton presses play on the recorder. A man's voice says, Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles. I have nothing else to live for. I can't go on. Immediately after that last word, the recorder captures the sound of a single gunshot and then stops recording. Crompton decides it wasn't suicide, but rather murder. How did she come to that conclusion? Because if you're dead, you can't press stop record. You can't press rewind. I'm going to give you that. Thank you. That is correct. (laughs) Thank you. That is the end of the murder mystery quiz. (laughs) That was brilliant. And Alex has won three to two. That was so good. Woo! I loved it. We should do that every week. <laughs> that that was a really good quiz. Obviously, I have to ask, being such a fan of true crime, Victoria, how do you feel <laughs> losing that quiz? <laughs>
The odds are always stacked against women in true crime. Did you not know? <laughs> Hold on, you killed Alex. You you solved a crime here. You did a lot of. You also died in childbirth, but you did a lot of good things. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> right then uh, well I've won the quiz uh, that was nice I enjoyed that um, so uh, that is it for this episode we'll be back on Thursday where we're going to be going through Knives Out if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime uh, hit us up on Twitter uh, or email us we are show at clashpod.com and who's uh, going to give us a clue to send us on our merry way for next week's double bill I am going to give you a clue on the clue episode great and that clue is Oscar winners in orbit. Oh, that's a great clue. That's a great clue. I like that clue a lot. Um, okay, cool. The reason Alex reacted like that is he gave me that bloody clue. So if you think it's shit and you can't get it, it's his fault. Because it confused me when he sent this clue to me. <laughs> it's a great clue. Oscar winners in orbit. And there'll be a I, better I honestly... clue on Twitter. <laughs> With a reverse image search yeah. potential. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be a picture of both of yeah, the uh, both Oscar winners <laughs> in in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Right then, uh, that's us done for this week. Thank you for listening. I'm going home to sleep with my wife. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter pretty litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness it's the world's smartest kitty litter Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.